Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. In some ways, it seems like budgets stand off the sequel. The state is now facing a school funding crisis in part because of a veto from Governor Bruce Rauner. He is standing firm on what he wants to see in the package. Democratic lawmakers and Mayor Emanuel say the legislation was good and would do good the way it was. Well, this week, we're going to hear what the governor has to say about all of this. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this week is Governor Bruce Rauner, and he's talking with us after what has been a tumultuous month. The state of Illinois has its first full budget since Governor Rauner was elected, in spite of the governor's veto. And now the governor has vetoed what was, when passed by the House and Senate, a landmark piece of legislation that would change the way schools are funded in Illinois. But we're going to talk about that legislation and more. Governor Rauner, welcome back. Greg, it's great to be back with you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Uh, well, backers of Senate Bill 1, as it's known, uh, including school superintendents from across the state, say that all school districts would gain or at least would not lose ground. But you vetoed it, basically saying that one district, the Chicago Public Schools, gets too much. Is that a proper characterization? Well, it's close to right, Craig. I'll say this. I'm very excited because we are on the verge of historic new education funding reform. This has eluded uh, our state for decades. We've needed education funding reform. And I think we're on the verge of wonderful things for our children, especially our low-income children here in Chicago and across the state. That said, a very good bill um, that passed was uh, introduced in the General Assembly that needed some tweaks but was basically good was basically taken by Speaker Madigan at the last minute in the spring and some uh, diversion of the money that was dedicated, uh, diversion to uh, Chicago pensions was inserted that was never discussed by the bipartisan commission, is unfair to uh, children across the state of Illinois. And then that version was passed in the General Assembly. And then, unfortunately, the Speaker not only forced that through on a, on a simple majority, not supermajority, many Democrats voted against it, but he then sat on the bill for two months, just, just basically uh, didn't let it go forward, didn't send it to my desk. He knew it was bad. He knew that it wasn't good policy, uh, but, uh, he, and he didn't want me to give me a chance to a mandatory veto. Finally, I got it. I fixed the bill, and I've quickly sent it back to them. I hope they'll vote to uphold my mandatory veto because I fixed it in a good way. And now all school districts will benefit. All school districts will get more money, and we'll have an equitable system that benefits our low-income children in every community, especially in Chicago and the suburbs. Well, now, there are some things, changes that you made with regard to Chicago. And most of the public debate uh, that the, and discussion over the bill, the focus has been on about $200 million in grant money that CPS gets. Uh, but your amendatory veto uh, affects hundreds uh, of uh, millions more, correct? Well, this is really important, Craig. It's a little complex. I hope uh, let's take our time just on this. It's, it's critical for your uh, listeners to understand. Um, Chicago um, and the state of Illinois have had a really a broken education funding system for decades. Um, and uh, it, 
it's been important to fix it. We have the largest gap between what low-income children get for their funding for their schools versus high-income children. And in the 10 years before I became governor, um, the majority in the General Assembly under Speaker Madigan cut state support for our schools four times in the prior 10 years. And we, we, as a result, were the worst state government in America for funding education. We gave the smallest percentage of education dollars of any state in America. And when I became governor, I said, no more of this baloney. Let's treat our students as the priority. Let's teach our, put our teachers first. And I said, more money for schools. I got that my first year, $700 million more. This year, I said, let's do $720 million more. That appropriation passed, and that's, that's wonderful. That's record funding for schools. However, um, the funding formula, the way the money is allocated, uh, has been wrong for years. So I asked for a bipartisan commission to recommend a new way to do it. They introduced that, and I support the new funding formula. It's a good evidence-based model. But inside the bill, they inserted some bad things. Let me talk about the most important one. Chicago has always been treated differently with its pensions. Chicago is the only school district in the state that pays its own teacher pension. That's not fair, and that's not right, and I've said so. Uh, that was put in place 100 years ago uh, when the teachers in, in Chicago were first unionized. They got a pension then. Uh, the state only came later, and the, and the state's pensions were treated separately. That's not fair because Chicago taxpayers pay income tax and they pay for other teachers' pensions, but they, they don't get help with theirs. So I said, let's fix that. Um, in 1995, the General Assembly, uh, which at the time was majority Republican-controlled, tried, tried to fix it in, a, in an agreement with Mayor Daley. And they said um, they didn't want to, for whatever reason, in, uh, put the Chicago pensions in with the rest of the state pensions. They didn't choose to do that. That's what I think that should have happened. Uh, in fact, they re-ramped the pensions, meaning they delayed pension payments and created the crisis today. <laughs> that was a disaster for all of us. But what they did do is they say to Mayor Daley, we will grant Chicago a special uh, uh, pool of money, $250 million every year that no other school district gets access to. You get it in Chicago as a quid pro quo for the fact that you pay your own teacher pension. So that was agreement we put in place. Since then, the state has been sending $250 million extra to Chicago every year. Chicago's been was making its uh, teacher pension payments, and in fact, Chicago's teacher pensions were bat, were fully funded as recently as uh, 16 years ago, 2001. However, since 2001, uh, Chicago has been skipping teacher pension payments, not paying into the pensions, and creating a huge unfunded liability, even though they were still getting $250 million from the state. So now today with the new funding formula bill that had bipartisan support and that I was supporting, Speaker Madigan inserts language. And he says, look, we want the state to pay the future teacher pension payments on behalf of the city of Chicago. And I say, yes, I agree with that. However, he also says, and by the way, I want to keep getting $250 million of that block grant sent to Chicago as well. We keep to get both, so that's double dipping. And by the way, I also want the state to start to pay, make up the unfunded pension liability that got created the last 16 years and start paying that as well. So triple dipping. Not fair. And they do it in the wrong way. They take it away from the classrooms in, in Cicero and in Berwyn and Aurora and in uh, Maywood and uh, around the state. That's unfair, fundamentally wrong. And that's what I remove with a mandatory veto. Now, so people can understand, money isn't necessarily being taken away from the suburban districts. This is additional money that is simply being distributed a different way, right? Well, <laughs> that's sort of semantics. The effect is less money goes to school districts in the suburbs and around the state. 
And so with my amendatory veto, rather than that money going to that extra payment to Chicago, um, the money goes uh, to districts around the state. So, for example, um, uh, out in Round Lake, the suburbs, $1.8 million more goes to Round Lake. Um, uh, Cicero gets $3 million more per year. Waukegan gets $4.3 million more per year with my amendatory veto. That money um, under the SB1 that passed the House uh, at the General Assembly in May, that money would have all gone to extra payments to Chicago. That's really unfair. Um, I, I I know you, you know this from the news coverage. Just among the reporters who have been covering this story, um, we've spoken with quite a few school administrators uh-huh. across the state. Uh-huh. I, I, th- I think we've probably reached them all if you <laughs> add yeah. up the, you know, the dozens of reporters who've been working on this. And we've reached organizations that are representing them. Now, the head of a group of district business officers, whom I spoke with this week, said the most important thing to the school uh, administrators uh, was... That first off, that the evidence-based formula be preserved, and, and that's what I seemed, do. Everybody yes. seems to agree on that. Agreed. And that the Senate Bill One hold harmless the school districts. Yes. Hold harmless is another word for saying that no district nobody loses, loses money. Nobody and that's, loses money. I agree money. with that as well. Um, but what the administrators, to a person, told us is they don't really care if under the formula Chicago gets a bit more money uh, or some more money because isn't it a rising tide raising all ship? <laughs> yeah, so so unfortunately the people around the state of Illinois have been used to living on the crumbs. Little bits of money from uh, Speaker Madigan's majority, they've had lived on that for years and they're, so, they're still willing to accept it, partly because they're scared. They realize that Speaker Madigan has cut their, their uh, state support for schools many times in the past, and they don't want to make the speaker mad at him by by going against his preferred model. Well, when the reality is it would be better for all districts, including Chicago, if we do the right thing, treat every student equitably, and get the money flowing through the formula that was that was agreed to by the General Assembly. And some people, have, uh, Craig, have come back and said, well, Governor, you're discriminating against Chicago, or you don't like Chicago, or you don't care about low-income in- children in Chicago completely false it, it hurts my feelings i mean it's 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 insulting i have worked to help chicago students for almost 30 years now my wife and i i care deeply about the students in chicago and with my mandatory veto from now on in chicago the state will be paying the teacher pension on behalf of the people of chicago that's a huge positive step for the for chicago number one and number two under my mandatory veto in this new bill Chicago will receive $200 million more with this new funding formula than they would be getting if we left the old funding formula in place. That's And that funding formula was put in place by the M- Speaker Madigan and the majority back in 2003. I'm fighting for more money for Chicago and all low-income districts around the state. Um, one of the features of, uh, of your rewrite uh, does, at in a few years out, change the way the money is calculated it goes from a per district basis to a per pupil basis and what some of the administrators uh and of course the cps administrator the chicago public schools administrators tell us is that if you start counting it that way per pupil then chicago actually does lose money because of its declining enrollment okay so so craig here's the issue this is a fundamental issue of fairness how should the state allocate money 
uh, for the children in the state so they can get educated. What, this is a compromise done on a bipartisan basis. If we leave it at the uh, at a district level in perpetuity um, for forever and ever, that it's only on a district level for for a district that let's say a small district in um, in a, a rural community, their their families move out to find jobs in other states, which has been happening forever. Should the state continue to send the same amount of money to a school district where maybe two thirds of the students are gone? Is that fair? Should, should that always be true off into the future for another 10 or 20 years? Is that fair to taxpayers? And is that fair to the parents who live in areas that, that have more needs and have more students to educate? That's unfair. So as a compromise, we said, let's hold all districts harmless for some period of time at the district level, not reduce any district, even if they're losing students like Chicago and many communities are. We're losing population because we're not growing jobs. That's a big part of what I've been trying to change. But let's let's protect them for some number of years and i'm open to the number of years but at some point the dollars have got to follow the students or the system's broken and it'll never work um there is there does seem to be some pressure being put on lawmakers including republican lawmakers to override your veto. Oh, I, I guarantee you, Speaker uh, Madigan's putting uh, a lot of pressure. Well, but it's also coming from some of the school districts. The, the, Chicago is not the only poor school district in the state. Uh, there are some, I mean, districts like Rockford, East St. Louis, uh, and some of the others are also talking to their legislators. Uh, are you concerned that legislators are going to feel bound to s- support the school districts and the school officials in their area who are saying we're fine with this and we would like to see this house of cards not get toppled <laughs> so so the the speaker did the same thing when he forced through a massive tax hike on the people of Illinois for, through no reforms by creating cr- crisis creating pressure the speaker wouldn't do a budget for 2 years he held our uh, community colleges hostage our universities hostage our social services until in the end the pressure was so terrible that people voted for a tax hike that was wrong with no reforms. And he was able to keep his 10 most vulnerable caucus members off the tax hike vote. He knew the tax hike was terrible, and he said to his most vulnerable members, don't vote for the tax hike, it's terrible. I'm making the Republicans vote for it, even though they don't want to, because I'm holding their community colleges in their districts hostage. That's what he did to get the tax hike done with no reforms. He's doing it the same thing to our children in our schools now. And what makes me so upset is that he's doing it on our children. No child should lose a day of school because Speaker Madigan wants to do that political calculation and force a bad policy that's going to take billions of dollars away from the classroom in future years and siphon it off to one place. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore. My guest is Governor Bruce Rauner, and we are talking mostly about uh, the school funding issue. Uh, We were talking about pressure that House Speaker Madigan may be putting on uh, lawmakers, both Democrat and Republican. What kind of pressure are you putting on the Republicans to stay in line? Well, I'm calling legislators, and I'm going to see them, and I'm coming to meet with uh, media leaders like you and you know spreading the word. When the truth is out, the truth of how good my amendatory veto is will carry the day. Here's an important thing for your listeners to know. Speaker Madigan passed the bill with a simple majority. Many Democrats didn't want to vote for it because they knew it was bad. But then he sat on the bill. One of the reasons he sat on the bill for two months, he wants to create a crisis and, 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 and not have schools open in August. But he also didn't want the truth out. 
the only way the State Board of Education can run the numbers on my AV, so the real numbers of the economic impact it generated, is once my AV was done. ISBE wouldn't run the numbers until the, my amendatory veto happened. He didn't want those numbers run. He didn't want the truth to be out through the State Board of Education. He waited as long as he could. Now the numbers, the ISBE's putting out the numbers on Monday morning, and then everyone in the state will see the economic benefit to our teachers and students all across the state, including Chicago, from what I'm recommending. Um, and the Senate gets uh, gets 15 days to decide what to do with your veto, but the Senate's, I don't think there's a, you're expecting much of a fight in the Senate. The Senate's veto-proof. Well, uh, <laughs> right. well the, the senators are also reasonable people. You know, they're, I think they're pretty straightforward, honest liberals. I respect that. So is my wife. We could have worked this out already with them. No, it's about the House and its political calculations in the House is what it's about. So how willing are you to accept a new plan? Not, I think it's, I think that everyone's agreement is that it should be evidence-based. Yep. I don't, I have not heard a single lawmaker exactly. uh, speak against the evidence-based model, but that restores some money to Chicago uh, maybe the change in calculating future aid or something like that. Uh, are you willing to accept something different than what you wrote versus what the Democrats passed? Absolutely. I'm always open to compromise. I'm always open to new ideas. And in fact, that's why I told the uh, legislators, go back and meet with your colleagues on the other side of the aisle. Try to work out a new idea. I've laid out what I'm recommending. I think it's a great plan. My mandatory veto is great for low-income kids in every community, including Chicago. But I said if the majority under Speaker Madigan doesn't like it, come up with another proposal. And I've encouraged them. The good news is they've Even been Even if it's more money day. for Chicago. Sure. I'm open to... Comp politics is compromise. I've, I'm open to compromise on a bipartisan basis. I always have been. My mandatory veto was a compromise, and I'm, I'm up for other compromises as well. Um, but here's the simple fact. I've encouraged the legislators to meet. They've been meeting every day at my encouragement. And the reports back are the, the, the Democrats don't propose anything in the meetings. They don't make recommendations. They don't make any specific proposals. And they seem to be delaying and waiting. And in fact, what I was told is just the other day, one of Speaker Madigan's caucus members said in the meeting, what we're really trying to do is override your veto someday, Governor. We can't do it right now, so we're waiting. That's mean-spirited manipulation. What they should do is they should vote today. Vote either to uphold my veto or override it, one or the other, but hold a vote. By waiting to create a crisis, waiting until teachers can't go to work, and, to, and most importantly, our, t our uh, students can't get an education, and then saying, oh, we'll only vote then. We want a crisis. The Speaker wants blame the governor for the crisis, and the Speaker says, then maybe I can get SB1 done with no changes. That's not compromise, and it's certainly not fair to our children. Well, and for the record, uh, Democrats accuse you of being the one uh, trying to uh, spark a crisis, so it has been... So, but, but, Craig, I know there's so much misinformation, but look at what people do. You know, there's a lot of spin baloney in politics. The, the misinformation and, frankly, the untruths being spoken on the other side are stunning to me. In business, this doesn't <laughs> this doesn't go on. But look at what they've done. They passed a bill with with many Democrats voting no, and then they sat on it. If they wanted schools to open on time, they wouldn't have sat on it. That, that, that and that's not debatable. And let, let me point out one other thing: Senator Andy Menard, Democrat, has been an education funding reformer. He's helped lead this effort, and I applaud him for it. Never ever. In all the bills Andy Menard has, has introduced for education funding reform, has pension payments for Chicago ever been included? 
That got jammed in at the last minute by the speaker as a power play diversion of money. This Just look at what's happened, and you can see that what they're claiming about me wanting to create a crisis is completely false. Um, and I do want to talk about the uh, the, the pension issue uh, in a minute, making sure we have time. Uh, but let me ask a couple of quick questions here. One, if this doesn't get resolved, if it is, it does stay become a standoff, school districts may open on time, I am told, but may run out of money a month or two later. Will it be enough to be able to say that it was Speaker Madigan's fault? This, you know what, this this blame game is ridiculous. Let's let's stop that baloney. What matters is our children and getting a great education. And there is no reason, none, that every child in this state can't get more support for their education and schools opening on time and not missing a single minute of class time. The fact that this has gone on and the speaker has sat on this bill and let n- nothing get uh, done and is is unconscionable. And we've got to call call them out for it. And frankly, right now, uh, Craig, it'd be great if your listeners contact their state rep and say, why isn't uh, the General Assembly either voting uh, up or down on the amendatory veto? Why isn't the the vote right now to override? What's What's the stall for? The stall, the real honest answer is political pressure, crisis, hurt our kids, use them as pawns three or four weeks from now. That's the honest answer. And we've got to stand up and say no more of that. The Fitch Bond Rating Agency says your veto of uh, SB1 creates uncertainty over whether schools will open on time. That could affect the bond ratings for Chicago and other school districts. Uh, The rating agencies are not blaming Madigan or CPS right now. They're saying it's your veto that's put (laughs) them into this situation. What, What they're saying is we don't have schools funded. That's the issue, and that is correct, and that's what Speaker Madigan wants. We don't have schools funded right now, and that's wrong. Of course that's going to impact the financial um, stability of, of all schools in the state. And this is, this is what's so broken about our, our policies, and it's what's unfair to our children. We've got to put our children first. Every child's future depends on a great education, and I'm proud that we fought for more money for schools, whereas the majority of the General Assembly on the Speaker cut it before I became governor. We're changing the system for the better. And no politician was able to get us a new, better funding formula. I pushed and got it done. The Speaker hijacked it in an unfair way, and we've got to stand against that. Um, you've said pension issues should be resolved in a separate bill. Uh, as I'm sure you you know, pension issues are hard to resolve when they stand alone. <laughs> Uh, well, for for a lot of reasons, uh, why is it important? And also, I mean, hearkening back to all the people who said that the problem shouldn't be kicked, the the can shouldn't be kicked down the road. Well, I'll say two things, Craig. It's important. First, I've said from the, I will support the state paying the the pensions for the city of Chicago in the future. I've said that as part of the bill, and I've now compromised, compromised, and not insisted on pension reform to go with it. I've always said we should have pension reform with it. Now I'm saying as a compromise, no, let's just pick it up. So nobody can say, again, that I'm not compromising. And let's go back what really matters on pensions. They need to be reformed. And again, as a compromise, last year I went to President Culleton, the Democratic head of the Senate, and I said, look, John, I, um, I, I've recommended what I think should be done that will save us $2.5 billion per year. You guys have said no. So, John, you know what? I'll do your plan. I'll do the Democrats' pension reform plan as you proposed it and as the unions had agreed back five years ago. And he said, Bruce, that'd be awesome. Let's do that. He and I were going to a press conference. I don't remember if you were coming to that or not. Mm-hmm. 
But we were going to come, and the speaker called uh, the president and said, no, you're not doing that. We're not doing pension reform with the governor right now. You're not going to that press conference. And he didn't show up. And I was standing there alone in front of the cameras. This shows how broken the system is and how entrenched Speaker Madigan in not wanting reform. This is what's really the problem in the state. Well, I can't let you get out of here without asking a couple of questions about uh, Mayor Emanuel and the the, uh, the words that you guys have had for each other. Uh, Mayor Emanuel says what you're doing right now is governing out of anger. Um, it, what are you angry and what are you angry about? Is it the mistakes that they've made in the past? Um, Craig, who wouldn't be frustrated that our schools are about to not have funding and not open on time? Who wouldn't be frustrated by that? But that my decisions are purely based upon what's in the best interest of our children and our families. And when the truth is out about my amendatory veto, people will see that what I'm doing is right and just and fair, and my amendatory veto should be upheld. At one of his meetings with reporters this week, Mayor Emanuel compared your veto of the school funding bill, which he says helps minorities, uh, the, the school funding bill, not your veto, uh, the, the school funding bill helps minorities. and it does, uh, exactly. Well, so you, does my yeah, yeah, veto. You, 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 you guys disagree about that. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, the truth he, will be out from Isby on Monday. He, he says that he compares that veto with the Trump administration <laughs> reportedly ready to challenge affirmative action programs, which help minorities. Um, what do you think of that comparison? And Democrats have been uh, comparing you to uh, Donald Trump for some well, time now, now. now, Craig, you're pointing out the ridiculous political baloney rhetoric that's going on here. That statement has nothing to do with school funding. It has nothing to do with justice for our students. And the mayor knows darn well that I'm an advocate for helping our minorities. And I've done things that no other governor has done to help minority business owners in the state. Um, And also, I am doing extraordinary things to help with immigration reform in the state. This is just political rhetoric designed to take everybody's eye off the ball, you and others, over the real issue of the truth in education funding. When the truth is known, our students will benefit and the state will be better off. is it still accurate for reporters to refer to you and Rahm Emanuel as friends? Because things have seemed to got, get pretty personal in the last several yeah, weeks. Yeah, no, well, for me, I, I, you know, I, I can separate my uh, personal friendships. I consider Rahm a friend. Um, you know, I don't blame him. You know, Chicago has been so financially mismanaged for decades. I don't, uh, I don't blame him for trying to get a, a money grab right now when he sees a window where he can insert an extra three hundred million for the city, which is five billion in net present value. Uh, inside what otherwise would be a good bill. I don't, you know, in some ways you can't blame him. It's not fair to the suburbs or the rest of the state, but he doesn't have to care about those folks. I do. I work for everybody, including the kids in Chicago, and my amendatory veto is fair for everybody, including Chicago. Um, is the uh, is that amount of money worth a standoff that might see the schools stay uh, close at some point? $5 billion? That's, um, you know what, to uh, to taxpayers in Maywood, to taxpayers in uh, Harvey and Dalton and Blue Island and Waukegan and North Chicago and Aurora um, and Elgin, you know what, it matters. This we, sh- we should do what's right for everybody, not benefit one district over another. But if the school officials in those districts say we would rather have the money that we're scheduled to get, and open and stay open rather than know that we could have had a little bit more money, but a lot more money. 
uh, but endure a closing. This is what the speaker wants. He wa- He's ruled by fear. Why should our superintendents, why should our teachers, and most importantly, why should our parents of our children live in fear from t- tyrannical behavior? This has gone on in our state for 35 years, and we've got to put a stop to it. My mandatory veto puts a stop to it. It does what's fair for everybody. Everybody is better off with my AV, and when the State Board of Ed puts out their numbers on Monday, we'll see how good it is. Well, that is going to be the final word in this interview. Governor, thank you very much for spending the time with us. That is Governor Bruce Rauner. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That is cbschicago.com. Just follow the audio links and you will see an at issue uh, button there. You can also find our podcast on play.it. I will be back next week. Well, actually, no, I won't be back next week. I'm going to take a few days off because I <laughs> need it. Uh, but some, someone will be here with Ad Issue. I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. Thanks, Craig. WBBM and HD Chicago, WCFS FM and HD1 Elmwood Park, Chicago. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.